Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, it's the present day and you're with Guy Montgomery, uh, who, uh, funnily enough, has just spent some time with Guy Montgomery and Tim Bat from a decade ago. Uh, just for the first time, since laying down the tracks, I've just listened back to some of the original season um, of The Worst Idea of All Time. Or, as we call it, uh, you know, cycle through different iterations of that title in the show, The Worst Idea in the World or The Worst Idea Ever. And I've got to say, it was a, like there's a, a fascinating sort of palpable nostalgia kick to going back there. Uh, just... Me and Tim, I can really visualize where we were. We were on a couch at Tim's flat at the Wilton. On the, we were up the stairs in the lounge, sharing one Yeti microphone with some air curtains around it. Um, and you know, initially at least, I'd say celebrating grown ups too. Our second episode of of the podcast. Um, quite interesting to listen back to sort of early uh rhythms and dynamics are occurring. i'm very open about the fact that i'm using you know what we're doing as a means of becoming better friends with tim rather than for the sake of creating a podcast we are joined uh, by you know scores of cicadas in the background and um we're really getting to know each other and i suppose the form it's uh it's not Tim wants to talk about it's you know like stuff that I remember now and experience today I'm hearing back for the first time Tim wants to talk about the movie guy doesn't we're both celebrating John Lovitz and his while also acknowledging his, his character is somewhat of a sexual deviant it's sort of yeah it's uh I'm really excited to go on this journey for the for the season to to be guiding you through the evens and uh, just to hear what the hell Tim and I got up to and how it led us to here. There's a um, lot of sort of early, early rather, sorry, conspiratorial rumblings throughout the episode. Uh, we broach Kmart's prominent role in the film. Tim, as is his want, his inquisitive and intelligent mind, wants to understand the economics of the town and grown-ups too. We get into an argument about the relative merits of Adam Sandler's character as a father figure. Uh, it's it's 
And we, we highlight a lot of laughs and genuine laughs. We, we already, God knows that we don't know what lies in front of us. We already discussed the experience of losing perspective. I mean, these are just two young boys with no idea what's in front of them. Tim sounds genuinely quite upset to be doing it, and I seem to be really excited. Um, and it's just fascinating to think that there's more to come. So I think you're going to have a really good time. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, even though it's an old project, there's no real trigger warnings here, I don't think. I just think it's um, it's an interesting case study in <laughs> the past. Welcome to the Worst Idea of All Time podcast. Hello, you. Thanks for stopping by. My name's Guy Montgomery. And I'm Tim Bat. And the worst idea ever involves us watching Grown Ups 2 once a week and talking about it. So this is the second time we've seen it. This is our second watch, episode two. And holy shit, kill us now. No, holy shit, it gets better. I think, just right off the bat, I'm going to tell you this, Tim. I think I enjoyed it more this week than I did last week. I'm with you on that, actually. Uh, You miss stuff in the first watch. Well, this comes across as being a brainless... (laughs) This is a movie... Packed front to back with gags on gags, and uh, and there's a lot of slow burning jokes, a lot of thinkers, which you won't necessarily get on the first watch. That's true. The other thing I think is that I I know what's coming now. Mm. There are markers. It's like the second marathon you've ever run, and you know you you know you know you, your body's telling you when you hit that 25k mark, that 30k mark. I would use a different analogy. The analogy I would use is this is like, it's like your second tour of war when you have to go back to Iraq, and you're like, okay, I'm aware some horrific shit is going to happen. I'm aware I'm going to lose some men along the way and I'm going to feel things that no ordinary man should feel, but I'm prepared. Well, and the other thing in knowing what's happening and what is to come is that you, there are moments, genuinely there were moments when I was enjoying myself today. Yeah, same. There were moments where I, I, I entered delirium and I, um, I, I laughed. Like I laughed at gags that the scriptwriters had written to be laughed at. Should we um, start by going through some of those ones that really, I think both of us got caught quite off guard by how funny some of these gags were. The, the first p- b- part, which was like, yes please, was, uh, I, don't, I don't remember what order it happens in, but John Levitt's coming yeah, in. That's, it's Lovitz, man. We do this every week because twice. now's the second week We've and we did twice. it again. Yeah, he comes in. Let's say it with me, just real quick, Lovitz. Love it. There we go. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it when you correct me. Uh, he comes in, I can't even remember if we explained this last week, but it's just hilarious. He's this really creepy janitor and he pretends to be a yoga instructor and he makes all these women do these things like bend over and slap themselves on the bottom and also jiggle, j- like just jiggle, just face him and jiggle. John Lovitz, you might know as being, he's he's in Friends, he's um like he, he does a cameo in Friends, which is what I think a lot of people who are around our age will know him from. He, he was also he's he, Monica's like food reviewer who gets really stoned and he's in The Simpsons as yeah, well. Yeah, he's in The Simpsons as the a film reviewer Yeah, that. and he's he's actually I think even in his bio I read once ages ago that like he's perpetually the reviewer that's his character, that's his <laughs> His piece that he well, they, adds to any enterprise. They really wrote him a gem of a piece in this script because he's not a reviewer. He's just some weird guy who shows up twice. Once, and he's actually the only character, now I think about it, who doesn't get invited to Adam Sandler's big party, which is a the good movie. point. Because there's approximately 
45 to 50,000 people at the party in the end and John Lovitz is nowhere to be seen well even if he was he was off camera but you'd think he would have been causing some sort of mischief the second thing you get to see from John Lovitz is uh I like that you looked to me for approval is that how you pronounce his name yes it is I did look to you you for approval so you'll stop correcting me uh he's they're watching a kid's ballet recital and the ballet teacher is really attractive and he's standing up on the, above the lighting rig just watching with binoculars with binoculars it's a really untoward scene actually watching the instructor going I'm having a wonderful time his delivery of that line is like one of the greatest moments on film in the history of human cinema no, see and this is so what worries me is you've lost this is, you've already you've lost perspective I haven't man you have, you, you've forgotten what a movie is you go back and you look at that little segment of the film and you tell me I'll that do isn't it, the, I'll do it next week you tell me that isn't the best I'm, delivered I'm line. not doing any pro bono work on this movie <laughs> I'm not going to watch it in my spare time uh, so oh, that was probably Christ. the first and those are no, two moments that were funny yeah yeah so but in the ballet recital he, he has a couple of absolute pillars and I can't imagine that Adam Sandler or the other dude who wrote this I think there were three guys uh, thought of these lines they must have been from John Lovitz he says <laughs> I'll go out of order but he says you're all prostitutes when he gets I, found yeah, out yeah, and yeah. then promptly leaves the room like he sh- just shouts that out to all the women you, at the yoga do class. you think he was just shooting on the lot next to the movie and he just swanned in and just threw out a couple <laughs> of ad libs you're all prostitutes just what sort of he- for a laugh like there's no way they'll use this stuff and then the editor was like that's gold that's pure Lovitz gold what was the other one that he says before that when he's in the yoga room uh, I don't know. It was really good. There's another really good line. It's not important. You know what we'll is important? We'll get it next week. While I think of it, yeah, because we're just going to keep adding to this list that doesn't get resolved. Did you remember what that movie was that you were talking about in episode one oh, that yes. you saw and walked out of? That was no, I didn't walk out of it. I walked home and reviewed it. It was I love you, Beth Cooper. Did you ever see it? You probably no, didn't. And it starred it. Hayden Panettiere. Am I mm. saying that correctly, Mister Pronunciation? I think so. I believe that's correct. Uh, yeah, no, that's that movie. I mean, that's probably pronunciation. Oh, don't be so patronising. Patronising. Uh, that movie is in the same same ballpark as this movie in terms of terrible, just terribleness. The other funny gags. Uh, mm. David Spade's son. Yeah. When he first meets David Spade, he's got a crudely drawn stick figure with a, the word him and an arrow pointing at it and he holds it up next to David Spade as if he's checking yeah, cross referencing the picture so, so this is David Spade's kid who has never met his father and obviously you'll carry a, a, a photo or a likeness around so you can ID who your dad is and as, as the guy mentioned he's got a crudely drawn stick figure right. wearing a hat and that's actually I mean you could probably put that gag into sort of any primetime sitcom mm. and it would hold I think yeah maybe well I've of. got the feeling that's not the first time they've used that gag to no. be honest with you Monty yeah. I reckon that David Spade's probably shoehorned that into a few episodes of the shows he's done. Just the shoot me, yeah. And then the House of what was no? What was the one he did? He was in it after John Ritter died. Oh, um, ten, ten, eight simple eight, rules. Eight simple eight rules, rules for dating my teenage, teenage daughter. daughter. Yeah, uh, I, Spade. The, eh? the other the other funny moments, just while I can remember them. Mm. Uh, the bus driver guy, I can't remember who he is. Nick. It's sort of a char- character. Name. I'm starting to get the character okay. names now. His name is Nick. That'll I don't know be, the that'll, that'll, that'll be when we know we're too far gone when we start referring to the, the characters as their actual names rather than the actors. But he does a poos in a Kmart toilet. <laughs> uh, yes. And when he's doing the poos, he yells out, what is it? Get out of get me! Get out of me! And that, that's funny. And also, while we're talking about the Kmart part, there's like... Half an hour of the movie is set in a Kmart yeah, and no, there's logos to, everywhere. We need to delve into this. Adam Sandler references Kmart outside of Kmart, either side of the scene. 
Kmart definitely bankrolled part of this film. There was absolutely promotional considerations given to the shithole that is Kmart. This film had a budget of $80 million and a cast really? of approximately half of 1 million people. So someone's paying for that. Did that actually have a budget yeah. of $80 million? Yeah, and it made $230 million, I think, internationally at the box office. $230 million? Yeah, yeah. So it made its money wow. back. But oh, and then some. Yeah, but it's it's like with a movie like that, you, it's actually really hard to lose money when you have that many big name stars in it because they do all this crazy accounting and shit. It's I, like I, a drug yeah. ring, man. So this, I mean, you, you think that this is a movie that was written to a formula? This is a this is a movie that they're making, and they I mean, it's. But it seems like they've missed. All, I, I'm no film buff. Guy Montgomery, but it seems like they've missed all the classic beats of any no, particular that's, genre. That's not important because if it makes, well, it is important obviously in terms of making a movie. But as far as measuring success in Hollywood goes, yeah, you make almost three times your budget. Surely that's a success. Yeah, but by that yardstick, wouldn't everyone just be doing porn? Some hikes in this film. You know what will get her a lot of money and financially successful? Pornography would man. No, that's too. That's too great a leap. I'm just saying, who are the people? Who are going out and spending their hard-earned? Obviously, we bought a copy legally oh, from iTunes, but like, how do they know that this many people are going to see this terrible, terrible movie? Because when you pack it out with this many known commodities, yeah, and holy fuck, the cast in this movie it is, rivals. It is loaded, like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Oh, that's true. The, the primary cast is huge, but also just the secondary revolving oh, yeah. cast of characters that they just wear. There's a, a thing that happens in this movie where if a scene's not working, they just insert 30 more people into that's the scene. Right. And you don't have to see those people again. It's just for that specific scene. It's fucking nuts. But anyway, you had an original question. I can't remember what it was. No. Nice. About financial success in Hollywood. The point being, if you have yeah, so many people like David Spade and and Chris Rock and, and Kevin James you kind of can't lose it's really hard to lose money because people will go and see it they'll be like I know who that is so does this mean that we lose, we lose faith in humanity that we don't have a more I discerning movie going public I, I lost faith in humanity after the first watch of this film I don't know where your head's at I'm, I'm sort of I don't know I'm sort of just doing this I just think <laughs> I'm pretty much using this as a tool to become better friends with you, Tim. Okay. I just think that this is this is a this is going to be a, a, an experience of joint suffering. Okay. Well, let's explore that a little bit because you've got the <laughs> strangest vehicle to try and forge a relationship with me out of. That's we right. could we you could have gone. Hey, Tim, do you want to go play pool every every Monday? Should we go and play pool and we'll get real good at pool or? Um, we could uh, both buy a computer game that would but be fun see, to play. Do you know all of these are tried and true friend friend making techniques? What I'm doing is I'm trying to forge a unique relationship, a relationship built on I don't know what. One of the worst films ever I made. Guess, Why a, a relationship built on the bedrock of Grown Ups Two. Out of your menu of options, why did you pick this format and specifically this film? Uh, I just picked the film because you look. I picked the film. Yeah, actually. that's right. You we, suggested Grown Ups, though. Did I? You oh no, I said Grown Ups. I said Grown Ups too. Yeah, both are bad options. Uh, look, I just I just thought it'd be fun to do this with someone every week, and then eventually we'll, we'll go. Boy, and, do we'll you go feel ins- like a dick? We'll now. go insane together. We we we. Does it matter? Okay. It really, how are you going? Look, man, I'm. Don't talk about the movie just for a little bit. Just no, no, let's no. have some reprieve. How, how's this guy going? How's Tim back? Yeah, I know. I, I want to take a step back, and it's movie. This movie related, but I am a little worried. You mentioned this before. Um, 
I feel like I may have lost a bit of perspective because there were real moments of this film where I was going, hey, you know what? This is all right. This isn't a terrible film. She's, Ab- she's absolu- okay. Absolutely. And that makes me concerned that I've lost um, kind of my grip. No, you just consider it. Just this is sort of this is a safe place. When we're watching the movie and we're doing the podcast, nothing is real. So this is a place where you can feel any emotion, and that's okay because you're not of, you're not of sound mind. You're not right. quite right. But I'm just I'm I'm worried because from week one and uh, so from week one I went in unknowing and unscathed and unhurt, and I went into that experience, um, basically tearing my hair out by the end of the film you know clock watching wondering how I stopped you saw me do it I stopped the movie multiple times so the timer would come up to see how much more of yes, the film there was to that. go and this week um, no, no, no stopping this, this goes back to the, the marathon analogy there are markers mm-hmm. I mean it's like for instance when we were at the, at the party the party at the end of the movie yeah and it's before the all the fraternity boys show up yeah we know and, and I was saying here. we're near we're near the finish line and yeah. you said you think that but there's actually quite a lot of stuff to go and, and then I, I was re- right I recounted it out loud but see we know Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. Now, we know there are certain certain moments when you reach that and you go, okay, obviously this is a problem because there's still an hour to go, but at least now I know there's only an hour to go. It's not like this never-ending, open-ended... Okay. Nightmare. Guy, I want to drill down into... I, I feel like we should move our spotlight of focus back to the film. I don't think that's necessary. I think I want to talk about the ballet recital, and I want to talk about the mood of which 
uh, that was shot and just kind of how it gets presented because it's it's creepy. Yeah, this okay. Is a children's for, ballet recital. For me, the creepiest, or when it, when it, when I saw it today and I was like, this is a bit wrong, is when because Kevin James pretty much the whole town shows up to this ballet recital because yeah, the everyone. ballet teacher at the school is really attractive and sort of and I wouldn't say she's naively she doesn't she's not naive in the way she advertises this she knows it and it's sort of an opportunity for her to flaunt her stuff for the girls get to flaunt their stuff in the recital but it's such a strange environment to apply the marketing technique of sex sales that's right it's very strange they're very young they're very young and Kevin James is filming it on his little video camera mm. Kevin James by the way films a lot of garbage in this movie like there's another scene what where is, they're, oh, they, yeah. they're pretending they make this guy pretend he's pooing ice cream we talked about and Kevin, J- yeah, and Kevin James is taking out his phone and he's filming it like this is a really <laughs> sort of seminal moment in his day so he's filming at the ballet recital and the, the wives Adam Sandler and Summer Hiker behind him and him and his wife whose name we should probably learn Who, uh, whose wife and Kevin, Kevin James' wife yeah, who, I, he only calls her one. Honey. We even her name never actually gets used in well, the movie. Well, you know what? To just a brief side step, um, I was really listening out this time to see if uh, Hiccups McGee had a name, the son no. of David Spade's child's mother. She doesn't. At no point do they bother naming that character. That's right. Anyway, anyway, so Kevin James is filming it, and the the wives are going, "Oh, isn't she cute? Isn't she adorable?" Referring to Adam Sandler's son. Yeah. And then Kevin James is just muttering under his breath. Yeah, I'm watching her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at her. And obviously, he's muttering about the ballet teacher, but the wives don't know this, I'm assuming. And so they're just okay they with Kevin James don't. sitting there filming, mumbling, Yeah, I'm watching her. Yes. I mean, and this is just a huge. The whole tone is weird. There's a moment where they pan across all of the dads who are like, Kevin James actually is in the crowd with the mums. Yeah. And everyone else is against the back wall because they've been driving around in a school bus all day. Because and the police job. force escorted them to, yeah. the, to the recital while firing their guns out the window. Picturing Shaq. And I'll tell you what, that sequence is fucking funny. Yeah, I don't you know had a good say about this, yeah. this movie, but there was something you said that. You said that in the moment. You I said, did. This is funny. This is funny. A police car escort that is riding in front of a school bus, which is dragging an inflatable raft with a drugged out bus uh, driver, where the uh, cop car is firing its guns, a la that crazy Texas dude with the gallon hat from The Simpsons, yeah, out the yeah. windows, screaming, <laughs> just careening yeah. through the neighborhood. That is funny to me. Again, I see. It is funny. It's it's ludicrous. It's big, and it is sort of funny. But I don't know if it's funny outside of the context of the film. There was other moments I thought were funny. The the other moment I had always laugh twice. I've laughed is when Taylor Lautner, who's in the fraternity, starts doing backflips. Yes. I talked about this last week as well. And David Spade says that guy behind you is doing backflip backflips for some reason. And it, it it rang true for me again that this is David Spade stepping outside of the world of the movie, breaking the fourth wall, and saying. What the fuck is going on here? The other moment you were talking about is Adam Sandler. Yes. They're in the supermarket and he runs into those strangers and he goes, <laughs> yes. like he wants everyone to disperse and he goes, I don't think any of these conversations are going to go anywhere. And then he turns to the camera and he winks <laughs> and then he pulls the fingers <laughs> and runs off screen and it just goes to the next scene. Which is amazing because you could understand the actors trying to insert cries for help in this film, but Adam Sandler wrote this. No. He did, I'm pretty sure. Did I'm he? not going to go back and watch the credits because, as you mentioned, there is no. no part of me that has a desire to watch this movie Absolutely outside the not. confines of having to for this podcast. But I'm pretty sure he's one of the three dudes who wrote this thing. Fact. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway, back to the ballet recital. I really want to drill into this. So there's a pan shot of the dads at the back wall. 
and they're all like mouth agape looking at this uh, uh, ballet teacher at, who is uh, very attractive. There's no getting past that. She's, no. She's a, a, she's a good looking woman. attractive woman. Um, there are uh, huge shots of her cleavage. She is crawling That's on right. the ground in a very sexually submissive she, position. She's crawling. She gets all of the ballet students to crawl. And by the way, the dance they're doing is not ballet. It is so far from ballet. It's like some sort of lame interpretive hip-hop dancing. But she gets all of the girls to crawl from the back of the stage to the front of the stage. And she sets up in front of all of them and crawls. And it's a big shot down her, down her cleavage. Mm. And I'm just thinking... Why are you? Ex- well, obviously she didn't write the script, but as the character of the ballet teacher, why yeah. are you exploiting yourself and taking the focus off the kids? And she is front and center. Like there's something, and you could probably say this for every character in the film. There is something mentally wrong <laughs> with this character because she does. She 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 can't let the kids be the stars of this show. She is in the middle. She is in front of all them. She's blocking a couple of kids at one. That's point. right. She is, and it's uh, it's. But once again, John Lovitz. Thank Christ, he's in this movie because my. God, he saves that scene by appearing in a balcony by himself, presumably masturbating with a pair well, of it's not it's not specifically shown, but it is sort of suggested that that's the sort of behaviour he might take part in. And just that line, I'm having a wonderful time. It's so good. We're going to ignore the pedophilic undertones yeah, yeah. of his character. We're going to look past them. We're going to assume that this is a guy I don't, I don't think who he's is a pedophile. I think he's a, he's a sexual deviant is what he is. Yeah. Because he doesn't, he doesn't take a kid's yoga class. He takes a yoga class of... That's true. ...of grown woman. And he's excited to be at the ballet recital because the teacher, who is, is in her 30s, yeah. I would say, early 30s, is. who is married to Stone Cold Steve Austin, because why not? It's yeah. grown-ups too. Uh, <laughs> she is very attractive and an adult. The other stuff that happens in this movie, I mean, it's, it seems... Obviously, it's silly to, to, to demand that the, the parenting or the example of parenting shown measures up to any sort of standard of parenting mm. but none of the dads have any idea about what their kids do Chris Rock's completely taken aback that his daughter can sing and Adam she's Sandler, about 14 Adam Sandler finds out his kid's really good at kicking footballs and, and, and before he breaks his leg and when he breaks <laughs> his son's leg the first thing he says is oh my god I'm so sorry is don't tell your mother and he does the classic Adam Sandler yell Adam Sandler, yeah, his daughter says, you were just yelling at me. And then Adam Sandler, on the way to buying ice cream, Adam Sandler, in front of all of his friends and family, yells at his daughter, I don't yell at you! It's freaky, man. No one should have to go through that. No one should have a father like that. It's awful. Uh, and Kevin James isn't aware that his son is a piano virtuoso. Everyone's caught off guard That's right. by skills that their children have. And some of the children are quite old. And the way that the filmmakers frame it is that it's meant to be heartwarming when they discover this stuff. Like the music always changes and you get these sort of slow shots of the faces as they realise that their children have talent. But that's not right. It should just be like, they should know. They should know. They're so far up their own asses, pissing away every fucking workday at Kmart. I don't have any time to see what the actual kids are doing. Kevin James's response to finding out that his child is a borderline musical genius at age eight on the piano is to, in quick succession, burp, fart, oh, and yes. sneeze, and now, then claims also to be a genius. We need to we yeah, we need to talk about the burp, fart, sneeze. It's got a name. Burp, I don't remember it. Uh, burp snarting. I think they call it. A burp snart. Burp snart. Anyway, so Kevin James' character, probably the only reason that these guys were friends with him in intermediate school is because he can do this thing where he, he sneezes, burps, and farts at the same time. And I'm assuming these guys have been friends for, what, 
30 to 40 years it feels like and it. it's still like they are still every time he does it which is several times a day yeah they are impressed as if it's the first time they've ever seen it and they have the intellectual capacity of a 12 year old boy at one point they used the burp sn- sneeze fart to to unify like five different dinner you know there's all the yeah, dinner there's scenes a, and they're all scene. explaining it to their families like no one else in the family knows what it is this is like the, one of the only things that they talk about in it's the a, town it's a strange thread where there is a scene where uh, similar to the start of the film where it has a little vignette of how everyone's morning starts in the family they're going through dinner time at everyone's respective house and the, the kind of the unifying thread that they've decided to tie these storylines together is every dad explaining to their family how fantastic Kevin James is at being able to emit every bodily function at, least at uh, one ejaculation time. at once. And at one point, and then David Spade tries to show his son it, and he kind of does it, and then he says, I think I shat myself. Adam Sandler does it at the very end of the movie, literally the final, the final words, the final scene of the movie, Adam Sandler, who, he's like, he's about to... Have a lovely time with us with Selma Hayek. They're married. They're, They're married. About to do They're about to do what married do. people do. They've overcome some adversity. Mm. He's happy that there's a fourth child on the way. They're just about to get on the good foot and do the bad thing. And the last thing we hear is Adam Sandler doing it and celebrating. Yeah. Yeah, that is a man uh, who not only doesn't deserve a family, but perhaps doesn't deserve any kind of relationship that's, that's long-lasting with people, like his friendships and things. He, in this movie, is the biggest piece of crap. He's such an asshole to everyone around him. He's abusive to his kids. He breaks his kid's leg. He is so unhappy at the prospect of having another child to Selma Hayek, who's obviously very emotionally invested in this. Even before you find out she's pregnant, you know that this is important to her. I think you're being a little hard on Adam. I am absolutely not. No, he's he's loving. There's a nice dinner table scene when he says... He sits down and says, this is my favourite part of the day. I get to spend with my four best friends. Because everyone I thought, fucking hates him. Because they don't No, they don't hate him. him. They like spending time with him. He's the fun, goofy dad. They he don't know isn't. him. Do you know why his four like family members are his best friends? Because no one else can fucking are, tolerate him. Are you him. kidding me? Did you not just watch him spend like three hours in Kmart with Kevin James, Chris Rock and David Spade? And He's a whole rich. handful of others who would wish they could get involved He's with the circle rich. of French. They're on the gravy train. <laughs> They're not on the gravy train. They've got jobs. David Spade helps out the go-kart track. That pays pretty good. Kevin James, is a, he owns the, almost the greatest body shop, the car body car shop in town. Chris Rock is a cable guy. Actually, <laughs> grossly negligent to their job. Yeah, now listen, this is something else I wanted to drill into a little bit with this, this episode. No one can perform their jobs, and none of their jobs are very difficult. I don't understand how the economy of this town works because you never see Adam anyone Sandler doing went and made job. a lot of money. It's all explained fact, at the end of the movie. Adam what? Sandler, so and so, Lenny Fazer went to Hollywood, made a lot more money than any of you knuckleheads will probably make in your life, and he came back to this town. And Do you know why? Because it's his home. He's, he, it, this is funny because he's, he's talking to the college kids who are probably going to go on to like Silicon Valley jobs. They might be working no, at not these college Chase kids. Manhattan. They're made to look like boneheads. And they are boneheads. But I'm saying Adam Sandler, you're right. It, he does bankroll pretty much the whole town. Yeah, but also, it, just at, at no point is anyone performing the task which they give to society so no, like Kevin, Kevin James is almost doing a Kevin job. James is at no point we go, doing to, we go job. to his workplace when 
We go to the body shop, and then David Spade climbs the tire and spins through the whole city. Yeah, but we, none of them are performing the job which they're tasked to do. They put. They He's put the David owner. Spade. He shows up and he provides encouragement, and then he goes and goofs off with his wacky friends. That's what I mean, though. No, like, okay, so the, so let's go through the movie briefly. The bus driver is the first person we've okay. seen with an occupation. He's wasted on he drugs. He has drugged out of fucking mind. It would be a The mailman, the mail, but we don't see him delivering the mail. The we see him talking about Selma Hayek's bra. Exactly. Um, who else has an occupation? Who we see? Uh, the yoga teacher shows up and no, takes... No, no, no. Ge- we see the janitor before the yoga teacher. He's not cleaning anything. not cleaning anything. He's perving on women. The yoga teacher... The yoga teacher is the one exception to this role. We don't actually see it, but it's implied. It is implied that he can perform his job. He's the only one I see. We and go through everyone going. else. Even at, okay, so then we're in Kmart for approximately half of the No moment. one is doing their job no in Kmart. Except the... for that old guy who kicks the bus driver out of the bed and then makes him just do, stop doing the poos on the toilet. Oh, no, but he says, he gets on the loudspeaker and says, clean up on That's aisle right. six. He's not cleaning. So he's not cleaning. He's passing the buck. Someone else we don't see is doing their job. Uh, the guy who actually works at Kmart, who is there the going, foil for Chris Rock. Holy, f- that's for next episode. We'll get into that catchphrase. Um, my point being, no one is performing their role. No, you're not wrong. It's, it, is, it is flawed. It How is- does this economy work? No one's contributing anything. This is why America's going down the toilet, guy, because no one's actually pulling their weight and everyone's, they're on the teat. They feel entitled. They're all on, the Holly- they're all on Hollywood's teat. You know, listen. We've we've reached the maximum maximum length of which we promised to um yeah to do these for. So. I don't think anyone wants to listen to any more of this. How are you going though? How was your week? Just quickly. Um, look, man, it was all right up until today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going great. I love this. I can't wait to come back to your house next week. Spend an hour forty wriggling on a couch next to you, and then complaining into a microphone for twenty five minutes after that. This is the worst idea in the world. On that note, you the can... worst idea. No, the wor- it's the worst idea in the world. It's also the worst idea ever of all time. Of all time. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, do so on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Tim underscore Bat B A T T. Mine is Guy underscore Mont. And uh, send help. Hey, listen, pray for us. Send help. Send snacks. Mm. Send snacks. Just you know. Just have a great day. Don't watch the movie. We'll do that for you. Don't watch the movie. Can't stress that enough. Please don't watch the movie. All right, but if you did enjoy it, make sure you subscribe and, and whatnot. And also, I'm going to be on our friend's podcast, Cheap Tuesday, watching I, Frankenstein, which compared to this is a bloody marvel. Well, I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to be on seven days this week, so watch that. Oh, but now, now you, we've both dated this podcast terribly. Oh, wait. Oh, we have. I was going to say, you're also on TV. Oh, Yeah. But I don't know if we want to cross those streams because I feel like the publicity department may have words with you. Look, thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Go do something better with your time. Lots of love. All the best. The Worst Idea of All Time Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.